Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody, and welcome here to a Wednesday as we hit the middle of the week and the middle of the month of March. Glad you're with us. Nice and sunny out there. It is cold, 21 degrees here in downtown Champaign at our studios. Glad you're with us today on another edition of Penny for Your Thoughts. We've had a busy week so far, another busy day today, and we'll visit with uh, Justice Robert Steigman coming up here in the next few minutes. Lots to talk about. Already a couple of texts and emails in for the judge, so we'll get to those. Again, let me remind you, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, and you can do that anytime during the show, and some people have already done it before the show at uh, 3515357. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. And you can call us, of course, 356-9397, as was mentioned at the top of the show. A lot to talk about today. Close race in Pennsylvania. We'll get into that. Uh, Rex Tillerson out as Secretary of State. Uh, lots of other state and local news. Of course, the uh, story from Ford County uh, involving the arrests up there. We'll get into that a little bit as we go along this morning. And whatever else is on your mind, any questions for uh, Judge Steigman, certainly welcome. Here in the next couple of hours, so uh, feel free. He's uh, knows a lot about a lot of different things. Is what I is what is what I've learned over the years. A lot of opinions. I don't know <laughs> how much I actually know. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, good morning. Good to have you in the studio. Always, we will always uh, pleasure. Always fun, and we'll let him get himself uh, organized here. He's always got a, a ton of material. Uh, the uh, students walking out, of course, of the schools coming up in an hour, and already some. Uh, across the country walking out today in either honor or protest of what happened in Parkland, Florida. So we'll uh, talk about that a little bit this morning as well. So we'll get it all started after our opening timeout as we're less than a week out from the primary election on March 20th. So we'll get ready for that in less than a week. Stay tuned. More Penny for Your Thoughts straight ahead. All right, welcome back. We're on Penny for Your Thoughts. Justice Robert Steigman with us here for uh, both hours. It kind of continues a, a tradition here on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts with uh, Judge Steigman. And, Bob, good to see you. How are you doing? Always a pleasure, Brian. Good, good to be here. And yeah. uh, this is 37 years. That's right, 37, almost 40. So we're uh, getting up there to four yep. decades almost. And um, you got your bracket filled out? I I don't. Uh, okay. I, I'm I'm a big college basketball fan, but I have to concede that when my team isn't playing, yeah. it saps my ardor, and uh, I still look at it all. And uh, I'm kind of surprised that uh, the Big Ten is only four teams in, but it looked to be a down year. Uh, you know it a lot better than I, and uh, maybe those four teams would do well, but. I'm always the optimist. I'm hopeful next year uh, Coach Underwood is going to be able to put together a better team, an exciting team, play better defense, and maybe we can make it next year. Yeah, we're both sports right now. Of you know, hopefully, you know, we've reached uh, the nadir as it is, and yeah. uh, going back up. I think better days are ahead in both sports, and uh, I think that'll be the case. But uh, boy, it was a tough, tough year for both uh, programs, women's basketball as well. And, uh, boy, the spring sports are doing extremely well right now, so that's good. Baseball later today with Dave Lone. 
Doesn't seem like baseball weather. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> 19 <laughs> degrees this morning. Yeah, I know. 21 right now with sunshine. The sun is nice. The wind's always a factor. All right, speaking of basketball, real quick, $25,000 up for grabs in basketball bracket bucks. Check out today's News Gazette for your bracket. No purchase necessary. You can pick up a bracket at our studios, 15 Main, downtown Champaign. You need to drop off your bracket by tomorrow morning before the first game of the day begins. They're playing in Dayton. They played there last night. And uh, St. Bonaventure, uh, which is there on the Pennsylvania-New York border, basically, in uh, western New York and uh, Pennsylvania, able to beat UCLA. The heralded Bruins last night saw that. So if you're looking for a Upset special to pick. St. Bonaventure might be one, just a free piece of advice. But check out the News Gazette for that. Okay, uh, we've got a lot to talk about here with Justice Robert Steigman. I guess uh, the big story locally has to do with these uh, this Ford County uh, homegrown group, I guess, uh, facing federal charges. I, this is a strange story, and I hadn't seen anything like this that I can remember. Yeah, it's in Clarence, which I had never heard of. <laughs> and I, I had to ask the newsroom. We, we looked it up. It's on Highway 9 between Paxton and Rankin. Well, so I, I couldn't have told you that. I, <laughs> I couldn't either. A, I'd, I've, I'd like to think I've campaigned in pretty much every town in the 4th <laughs> District, but I missed Clarence. So, so that uh, was going on. And then, of course, uh, students at schools across Illinois and here locally as well participating in a national walkout to protest uh, gun violence. Uh, I know talking to some kids around it saying also hey i don't know about the gun support or gun control issue but i want to support the 17 who were killed that day so that's going on and it sounds like the school districts are just kind of ready for it well they are i suspect but i don't like it i think mm-hmm. this is a uh, a bad business and uh, it's we have dead kids and everyone thinks that's terrible but uh, it's it's trying to politicize uh, kids at the even at the grade school level about we need more gun control and uh, I think uh, it's a bad idea. And uh, having kids walk out, I, I mean, let, let's assume these kids are sh- believe strongly, these children, and uh, what they've been told, uh, gun control is necessary, the answer. What about uh, the kids who believe equally strongly that uh, abortion is murder? It's a terrible business. Mm. Uh, there's a big demonstration <clears throat> in January of every year on the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision, uh, will that be next, where we have maybe dozens or hundreds of kids who believe abortion is murder walking out in support of the demonstrations? And uh, will the schools similarly say, oh, that's just fine, that's okay? Mm. Or is it is there uh, thinking in this instance because they don't like guns either? And uh, it, it's a slippery slope. It's a bad precedent to start, and uh, I think uh, the people who are trying to politicize this, the kids in this fashion, uh, uh, I don't support it. I think it's a mistake. Well, here's a email that lines up, uh, agrees with you. Mike in Champaign says, Today all across America, uh, America, school kids are walking out. Teachers and administrators are teaching kids uh, guns kill and are bad. The walkout is part of a protest to send an anti-gun message. Are these same teachers and administrators informing the same students that there are abortion doctors and young mothers that kill many multiple times as many children as a person who shoots a gun. I doubt it. And so that's kind of what, uh, yeah, well, what you and, were talking about. And there. what will be the school's position next January when um, 100 kids from Central High School decide they want to, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on a school day, uh, walk out and to show their solidarity with the people who think we have to stop the killing of innocent unborn children? 
I mean, there are lots of issues upon which people have strong views. They're trying to indoctrinate, as they entitled, their own children with their views. Uh, but at what point are we going to have a disruption of our education because of these demonstrations that have been organized, of course, from uh, adults uh, pushing kids to do this? Today, by the way, is the uh, one-month anniversary, uh, anniversary or uh, one-month date since it happened back on Valentine's Day in February. Let's go to the phones here at 356-9397, and Eric is on with Justice Steigman. Hi, Eric. Hey, good morning, fellas. Uh, I had a question uh, for the judge. Um, I, recently on CNN, uh, there was a really good uh, uh, six-part series about the, uh, the Patty Hearst case. I wondered if you happened to see that and if I had any thoughts about a couple of things from it. Well, I, I, I did not see the series, but I know something about it and uh, her situation. But uh, what's your question? Maybe we'll be able to answer. Well, well uh, two things. Uh, one, well, Jim Dye actually had, a, I think, an editorial this past Sunday about one of the you know minor players in that with Jim Kilgore at the uh, at U of I, uh, whether or not he's actually employed through the university. But uh uh, separately, um, the, the trial of, of Patty Hearst back in the day when uh, Lee Bailey was uh, representing her, the, that was one of the more interesting things because Bailey said in the uh, in the documentary it was without a doubt the worst case he ever took <laughs> for for a variety of reasons. But uh, you know they they lost that case obviously, and, and um, it, when you watch the series, it it really uh, you know it's obviously we all kind of know what happened, but it's. It fleshes out a lot of stuff that occurred during it, and it really makes me believe that she was a willing participant in the whole thing. Well, I was just she, she may have been. You know it's, it's uh, you know, the uh, Stockholm Syndrome, I think it's called. Uh, uh, victims mm-hmm. who be, who then identify with their kidnappers or others. And, uh, you know, this I, I, it requires a psychological analysis beyond my ability. I just understand that this can happen and does happen sometimes, and uh, uh, it's it's a strange business. I, I know the article you're familiar, you wrote about, Jim Dye's article on uh, uh, James Kilgore, and uh, it reminds me of the joke I had uh, when that first that issue first arose, uh, uh, about uh, what an advanced thinking place the University of Illinois is. I mean, after all, anyone can have affirmative action just to try to deal with uh, underrepresented minority groups, and we have affirmative action for terrorists. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? There? I think CNN's rerunning that too. I think at times, right? Yeah, it was it was really uh, really good. The, like the book is uh, it was written by one of the um, Jeffrey Tubin, one of the uh, mm-hmm. commentators on the show. It was, it was really well done. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out because it, like I said, it brings back a lot of stuff that maybe people forgot, and uh, it was quite interesting. So I just wanted to get some comments on that. Very good, thank you, Eric. I should explain, of course, it wasn't just Kilgore; it was also Bill Ayers up in uh, UIC, who is uh, he's with a different group, right? Yeah. Well, no, yeah. actually, it's, I, I think um, they were close in in time. They were, yeah. I don't, but they because you had the Weather Underground, yeah. you had the SLA, yeah. Yeah. more terrorists, and yeah. you know, it's not every. You know, only you have to be a special university to seek these people out and put them on your staff and faculty. Well, let me ask: Have you ever run across a case? Well, you mentioned the Stockholm syndrome, yeah. uh, and I know, realize that's an extreme case, extremely well-known case with Patty Hearst. But I mean, how do you, as a as a judge, look at someone who's kidnapped or in a position like that, and they're acting maybe because they're scared for their lives yeah. or, or whatever? I mean, I've never seen it, but I I read about it, and I think, as a matter of fact, it's 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 a serious point. Uh, 
uh, someone in that position is really um, scared for his or her life, and it's hard to second-guess how they would behave and if they cross the threshold in identifying with their uh, captors and who are, by the way, in the process of trying to brainwash them. And uh, it's it's a phenomenon that I've read about. I've never seen uh, in any case about it. It's pretty rare, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that may very well be what happened to her. All right, I got a text in from Dale for Judge Steigman. He says, I won't be able to call in, so could you please ask Judge this question? I hear about people getting sentenced to public service. Who supervises those folks, and what do they do? This time of year, I see a lot of trash along city streets and think that would be a good thing for them to do. Please tell me how this works. That's from Dale. The uh, Champaign County Court Services Department has uh, people who supervise the public service workers. And uh, this is something, when I was a trial judge here in Champaign County, I used a lot. Uh, it's there's Judges have lots of discretion, so you don't have to put everyone in jail. Uh, and I, the line I used is, I don't want to interfere with your job. I just want to interfere with your life. So I'd, I'd have some people who committed some bad acts, and I'd say, well, I'm not going to put you in prison uh, or even in jail, but what I'm going to do is require that you be up at 8 o'clock in the morning and Saturday during the summer. You have to be there when the bus picks you up at the Champaign County Jail, and they're going to take you out to the county roads where you're going to be picking up trash. And when it's 11 o'clock and it's uh, 93 degrees and there's no shade and you're walking along this asphalt road, I want you to think about, was it worth it? That's the whole point, and we do we would do this a lot. And they, uh, public service workers uh, would pick up trash, would uh, perform functions for other governmental agencies, uh, moving office furniture sometimes. And my office now, for instance, I have a bunch of old files occasionally, which uh, uh, we'll take up from the basement to get recycled, and we'll use public service workers for that. Uh, it really can be a very good program, and it's it's one of many arrows of courts to use uh, so they don't they're not limited to just either don't do it again and nothing or put them in jail there's right. lots of other things you can do yeah i saw a uh, article i know um, tom defonis was involved in this having to do with quashed warrants which i didn't even understand what what well, was all that about i'm, I'm that... not totally sure but my understanding is these were Warrants that were issued over many years ago that were just kind of sitting there for people in minor, I think, misdemeanor traffic cases. And um, the problem is they're there, and if someone six years later actually shows up, they could be arrested and put in custody when no one really wants them anymore Mm. to be prosecuted because they couldn't do it. And uh, Judge Definis thought it would be best to clear because some of these went way back. I mean, they know, did several years. And, and then, the problem from the sheriff's point of view is, he said, you know, this is a problem because the warrants are out there. There's a traffic stop. A police officer runs a traffic stop on Joe Jones. There's a warrant for his arrest. He's then arrested, uh, goes through this booking process, and uh, he's going to be ultimately released probably pretty quickly. But it's a bother for all concerned if this is not really a live case anymore. Yeah. That's the thinking, anyway. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I saw the term, and I'm like, well, I'm going to ask the judge the next right. time you're here <laughs> what okay. that means. Uh, Tom is with us. Hey, Tom, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, there was a guy, uh, morning, Judge. There was a guy on the radio yesterday, and he said that he pays taxes on Social Security. 
Well, I personally am on Social Security, and I have never paid tax on my Social Security. I've never heard of anyone paying tax on Social Security, so we're going to let Judge Steigman be the judge. And uh, who's right, him or me? Well, you both could be. It depends on how much, actually, how much income you have. That is, Social Security uh, is taxable income, uh, and uh, but if you don't have uh, enough... It's not taxable under the state ta- income tax law, but it is under the federal, But uh, uh, and not at the full amount of what you're paid. Um, I'm 73 years old, so I, I'm receiving some Social Security, even though I can continue to be a full-time employee. Uh, and uh, I just did my taxes recently, and I had to declare the Social Security income as tax and pay tax on it. Oh, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Well, is there a, about well the good news is I have enough income to make it necessary for me to do that. Yeah, say, is there an income <laughs> threshold where that happens? I think there may be. I'm yeah. not sure. Mm. Okay, I, I didn't know that. Thank you. All right. Hey, thank you. Because I know some of the candidates on the Democratic side for governor have gone back and forth about, uh, I forget which one said which, but uh, these two guys, they will tax your retirement income, or right. they're looking to do that, and right now they can't, obviously, and J.B. Pritzker, one of them, said, no, I'm not going to do that. So. Well, it's really a strange thing. I think it happened, if I remember correctly, in the early 80s uh, when Jim Thompson was governor, and the idea was uh, we're going to make retirement income, Social Security, and any retirement incomes uh, you get – Non-taxable, the the sense was to try to keep retirees in the state of Illinois. I don't know how well that's worked, but it's a pretty significant chunk of change that the, the state is uh, losing. All right, we're going to take a break. We're at 926. We're here with Justice Robert Steigman. You can join us on the phones, 356-9397. Email us, talk at wdws.com, or text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 3515357. Back with the judge after this. All right, we're back. Penny for your thoughts here with Justice Robert Steigman with us here for uh, both hours today. If you have some texts, emails, phone calls you want to uh, make after the news, we're going to get into the uh, situation down in Florida, what to do about, uh, and we had a lot of talk after the incident happened uh, last year, and since uh, the judge was, I think, was on before all that happened, he's got some thoughts on what we can do about all of that. So there's a lot of talk about that. Also, a couple of more uh, texts coming in about different topics that we'll get to with Justice Robert Steigman. Hey, the uh, folks at Swanson Roofing, the roofing dog kicking off their 2018 uh, campaign here and a uh, family company. The workers all get full benefits, 401K. Crews work hard to make every Swanson Roofing customer totally satisfied with the work. Their workmanship guaranteed for the life of the roof and material. They carry a 50-year warranty. And also the uh, roofing dog, Swanson Roofing. They'll take full responsibility for all workmanship of any past customer. And this year, Corey... Wants to remind you he'll do small repairs and help you save your roof. And also Swanson Roofing is happy to repair your roof even if they did not do the original job. So, again, they don't subcontract out any work. Corey's local. He's a graduate from Rantoul High School in the University of Illinois. So uh, make sure you get a free estimate at least from them and go from there. 217-355-ROOF, 217-355-7663, or visit Swanson Roofing online, The Roofing Dog. Dot com. We're at 9.30. News headlines up next with Michael Kaiser. And then more phone calls, emails, and texts for Justice Robert Steigman. Penny for your thoughts on a Wednesday on DWS. A Penny for your thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 
888-900-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Back on Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. Brian Barnhart with Justice Robert Steigman. He's with us here for uh, both hours. Your phone calls, welcome, emails, and texts. Uh, after, I think we were on last time, uh, early February, You uh, we had the shooting down in Parkland, Florida. Right. And all that happened <clears> with that. So just, I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that. There's uh, yes, camps of talk about what to do, you know, should we uh, teach or uh, train teachers to be armed should we uh you know want to turn schools into an armed camp but what do you do uh what what happened on the mental health front where they missed uh crews and all that happened there so you fire away you've got a whole stack of stuff a lot of stuff to talk about Uh, it was a total failure by the government and um, the fbi the local police and um, uh, all kinds of things Uh, for instance uh, background checks uh people say well how was he able to buy a gun and one of the important things is background checks won't work if criminals have no visible criminal record. And uh, Nicholas Cruz should have had one, but the Broward County Police treated a series of his offenses as school-related issues instead of arresting him, which would have given him a criminal record, which might have then alerted uh, other agencies. Plus, uh, if he had had the criminal record, he would not have been legally able to buy the gun. Hmm. That, that's one of the problems. Another problem is this whole idea of... Um, Gun-free zones, uh, which I think, as I've discussed earlier, that's magical thinking. Uh, to put up a sign that says, this is a no-gun zone. Mm-hmm. So it's as if a guy who has a gun and is prepared to go into a school, a bank, the News Gazette, wherever, and shoot people inside will say, oh, well, you know, I can't do that because there's a decal on the front door that says, this is a no-gun mm-hmm. zone, so I guess I'll just have to go murder people elsewhere. You know, it doesn't work that way. And I'm particularly troubled by uh, no-gun zone signs uh, in churches or synagogues or places like this where people gather as if the danger were from the congregants, see, as opposed to somebody coming in from outside. And no-gun zones uh, say to someone like Nicholas Cruz, who wants to go into this school and shoot it up, that you don't have to worry about encountering someone with a gun who might stop you. And, in fact, uh, uh, Cruz is the great exception because the great majority of these shooters who go into schools or other places like this are only stopped by a good guy with a gun. Uh, Cruz, after shooting these people, walked away. That's what makes this very exceptional. Uh, And he wasn't uh, stopped by a good guy with a gun. But... What makes it, again, awful is there was a good guy with a gun, at least the one deputy who was there, and then there were others who came by. And, you know, I've been involved in law enforcement for almost half a century. I've known hundreds of police officers, and this was kind of a shocking thing for me. Uh, The police officers I've known and encountered uh, would have... um, hearing gunshots in the school, you you should know you have to charge in there to stop this. Uh, this this guy, until he's stopped by a good guy with a gun, namely you, uh, he's going to continue to shoot people, and that might very well have been what happened here. One, one other aspect of it, then, and 
Uh, he had, the shooter, Cruz, had a rifle, an AR-15. And uh, I remember Lawrence McDonald and some other people from NBC saying, well, you can understand the cop's point of view, and they can't do that. And he had a, the, the rifle bullet is such much a greater velocity. Well, this is all nonsense. Uh, if uh, you're a shooter in a school uh, and there's a cop with a gun, you have to go in there. And even if you don't take him out with a gun, suddenly he will know there's someone over here shooting at me. Uh, which is going to interfere with what he is trying to do, shooting unarmed people. And the other thing uh, the deputy should have known, people would know in these circumstances, is uh, while the police aren't there now, they're going to be coming soon. And, of course, the time, the old joke is when seconds count, the police are just minutes away. Well, that's not a criticism of the police. That's a real-world assessment. So seconds counted, and this... As I say, this is awful because I, I, I've literally have known hundreds of police officers in my time professionally and personally, and I, I don't believe there's a one of them who wouldn't have charged into that building. And I mean, as a citizen, if I'm there with a gun, I'm going to charge into that building to try to stop this guy, much less a trained cop, because you, you have to know what's going on. And we have an example recently of how this can work, and the MSNBC people missed it. Uh, remember the fellow, I forget his name, who shot Representative Steve Scalise, mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of Republicans, uh, congressmen, a softball game yeah. in a park, yeah. and this guy shows up with an AR-15. <clears throat> it so happens Scalise is a leader of the House, so he had a couple of congressional police officers as bodyguards just to be there, and they pulled out their guns and went after the shooter with the rifle and killed him. You know, Lawrence McDonald on MSNBC says you can't do this. Well, we know it can be done. Now, one of them was injured, uh, and they put their lives at risk. But that's, you know, first responders, that's what they do, and that's what they're trained to do. And uh, you're in the wrong line of work if you think you hear shooting at a school and you're an armed deputy and you're going to hide behind the car. So there are all kinds of things that went wrong. One of the others is um, uh, the idea about uh, we, need to, we need to train people and arm people. Uh, in Israel, which has serious security problems, mm -hmm. they require a security guard at every school for each hundred students. And uh, you got 4,000 students at this high school. Well... You know, you need 40 security guards. And uh, that's the one thing the federal government can do to help subsidize this. There are not many things they can do, but this is one of them. And train people. The other thing is we don't want old Mrs. Jones with her 45 and her uh, desk and pulling it out. Well, you know, this is the straw man argument, knocking it down. Uh, of course we don't want that. But how about having people who maybe are veterans, who are teachers or otherwise concealed carry holders, who would be permitted to have guns and no one knows. You know, they're just trained and they would be silent. Let me let me tell you what the Kentucky governor said recently about okay. this. Matt Govan, he denounced labeling public schools as gun-free zones, what I just mentioned earlier, and said training and arming various unnamed people on a school staff could be a way to protect students from future gun violence. He said, right now the reason it's easy to kill people in a school is because it is a gun-free zone, and it is known to be a gun-free zone, and anyone who brings a gun into that zone 
knows that they will have some period of time, might be seconds, more likely minutes, before anyone will encounter them to stop them in a way, in any way, shape, or form. And that's a reality we must be honest about. He said evil acts like mass shootings are calculated and intentional, so students should not know who is on the school staff carrying a firearm. I mean, it just could be anybody who's willing to, and by the way, no draftees. Uh, you tell people, teachers, let us know who's willing to do this, and uh, uh, we will train you and, and make sure you know how to do it. And he added this, armed people on school grounds should be highly trained, highly capable, not just in terms of their physical training, but they should go through a very thorough psychiatric battery. The idea that it should be a separate person from the administration is probably not a good idea, again, because that person is easily identified. Uh, one of the other things about this I should mention is we had a sheriff in Ohio who said, I will uh, offer training to teachers uh, for this to address this. 50, hmm. te- uh, 50 uh, teachers he offered and mm-hmm. 400 showed up. So <laughs> the point is there are people who are ready to do this, and I think it's a matter of we that's what we have to do. Now, you know, we have other calls and things I want to address. One of the other problems is, uh, the lax school policies. Nicholas Cruz misbehaved badly and engaged in criminal conduct, and he was never arrested for it or held accountable for it. This goes back to other problems in our schools that I, I want to address uh, in a moment. But uh, had that happened, again, his name would have been on this registry. Uh, there would have been a way to address this. Uh, he wouldn't have been able to get a gun. And the other thing is uh, <clears throat> it looks like he has serious mental health problems. There's a proposal to have gun violence protection orders. That would be a good thing to do. That would be a realistic approach. But these people with these the kids say that they're that's not what this is about. This is all about anti-gun. Just take the guns away. The guns are the problem. Well, the guns aren't the problem. All right, three five six nine three nine seven. A lot to chew on there, and uh, let's go at uh, nine forty six to Carol. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Yeah, I have a question. Well, given that you're currently serving as a judge, are you permitted to endorse judicial candidates or make a contribution to a judicial candidate? Well, it's it's uh, it's a good question, and uh, the answer is twofold. <clears throat> As a sitting judge, the rules of the Supreme Court of Illinois do not permit me to endorse any candidate, but I am permitted to make a contribution to a candidate's uh, political committee that is supporting that candidate's candidacy, uh, whether it's for uh, someone who's running for judge or any other office. I see. Um, Well, have you made a donation in the local Republican judicial primary? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, I have donated $300 to uh, Judge Randy Rosenbaum's political committee that is supporting his candidacy for uh, circuit judge in the uh, primary, Republican primary, that will be voted on next week. Well, thank you for answering. Thank you, Carol. Yeah, you're welcome. Great to hear from you. Let's go to Tom. Hey, Tom, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Brian. Beautiful sunny day. I'm awesome. Yeah. Uh, Your Honor, uh, good morning to you also. Good morning. Uh, I have one comment and one question. My sure. comment is, uh, I heard a gentleman on the radio uh, about a week or so ago said uh, he wasn't sure about arming teachers, but let's not disarm teachers. 
Well, that's an interesting point. I think yeah. <clears throat> the one I think the Kentucky governor's point is a better one. I don't think teachers as teachers should be armed. I think what we should do <clears throat> is we should um get rid of this notion that schools should be gun-free zones because it's silly. It's magical. Yep, it's beyond silly. It's literally magical thinking. You know, I mean, yep. I, I use that term advisedly. Second, uh we ought to make it clear that uh, there are no draftees if there's a school shootings are a serious matter uh there could be janitors there could be uh administrators there could be teachers whoever thinks he or she would be ready to respond if a guy with a gun walks into that school and starts shooting should be permitted to go through the training as i've just described no one has to even know about it I mean, certainly not the students. That would that would increase, I think, the likelihood that um, the shooter could be blindsided or surprised. And, uh, you know, you can keep your weapon locked away in your room if you're a teacher. Or, uh, you know, you don't have to. You shouldn't ever show it. There's no need to show it. But this is, um, I think, if you had uh, teachers who are willing to do this, and as I said, the uh, Hundreds showed up when an Ohio sheriff offered to give them some training. Yeah, free training. Free training. I think there would be lots of people to do this. And, you know, what about the cost of training? What about the uh, – that's something that the federal government with its deep pockets could do. Now, what's awful is uh, the Democrats who are organizing this uh, march out of school to protest gun violence, they're not proposing any of this. Uh, they're not suggesting uh, real action to try to address the next school shooting to make schools safer. Uh, the idea is just let's take guns away from everybody. Well, that uh, is unconstitutional. It wouldn't work. And uh, it's not a constructive approach to the situation. No, it's not. My question is I have and I, I, everybody has seen this commercial on TV with the election coming up. Uh Representative Ives will not repeal Mike Madigan's tax increase. As governor, that has already passed as a law. It's a law in the state of Illinois that we have this had this tax increase. Can the governor actually repeal that law that has passed? I I think I'm getting. I didn't know the governor could repeal something. Well, you're right. That's been passed by the legislature. Yeah, the governor can't. And I will tell you that uh, without singling out Ronner's stuff. Uh, uh, it seems to me his commercials and a lot of other commercials uh, uh, have hit new lows for misleading, uh, saying things that aren't true, taking things out of context. I mean, you, uh, the, the, my best, my strong advice for you and other people who are watching television is uh, to be very skeptical of whatever you're told in these TV commercials to the point of perhaps just disregarding them because they're just all nonsense. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to educate myself on, on a lot of different things for this election. It's very important. And when I saw that, I was questioning my political science teacher from school, high school. Long time <laughs> no, ago. no, you're right. By the way, uh, this gives me a chance to give a boost for the News Gazette. Uh, I think they do a wonderful job. This newspaper does a wonderful job 
particularly in the local elections, but also on the the state ones, of really analyzing these people carefully and who they are. And for that matter, I I think the Chicago Tribune has done a pretty good job as well. But uh, the TV commercials that they put out attacking other people are just seemingly from everyone. I don't mean to just single out Ronner. They're just all awful. Yeah. Hey, yes, th- they, they have reached a new low, I believe. But yes. I, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Enjoy this beautiful sunny day. <laughs> I will. Thank you. You too. All right. All right. All right. We've got Danny right. and Richard. We've got those gentlemen next. More texts and emails after this. Time out on Penny for Your Thoughts. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts. On this Wednesday, we hit the middle of the month. Uh, one email here, and we can talk about the Pennsylvania election here in the next hour, but Dave in Champaign uh, asking about, do you, don't you think the candidate Saccone's comments to the Democrats in Pennsylvania hate uh, the President Trump, American hate God may have affected the vote. Was that not another silly GOP comment? That race, by the way, is down to, I think, 600 votes in favor of the Democrat at last count. Good assessment. Probably pretty silly comment. (laughs) All right, let's go to Danny. Hey, Danny, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good, Good sir. Uh, I have a question to the mental condition of the shooter. Cruz. Right. How much would a number of students bullying this young man? Uh, he'd been left school and came back, got kicked out. I uh, I have the feeling that bullying these people, he looked like a small statured guy anyway, uh, that he would have been picked on enough and enough and caused a bunch of his. Uh, reactions plus the fact that he lost his mother recently and i'll hang up and listen and thank you guys have a great day all right thank you danny well you you may very well be right um kids are cruel and mean and uh we all we all of us adults survived high school and junior high and uh to one extent or another have left scars upon us and uh you know, I I don't look back in my high school days with uh, great fondness. I was this skinny dweeb, uh, uh, five nine, hundred and twenty eight pounds, and uh, it was not pleasant. And uh, I was bullied too, but uh, that doesn't, um, and it may have it certainly have caused some difficulties in in his life. But I think he had other mental health problems that exacerbated them, perhaps. But uh, uh, why? Did he think and why did he behave as he did that uh, uh, I don't know about it, but I, I think what what we have to do is be prepared to deal with and stop it the next time this kind of stuff comes up. One interesting thought about this, by the way, is uh, the notion about uh, this is toxic masculinity. Uh, that's what happened and why this kid was involved, supposedly. Uh, someone pointed out that... Uh, it's it's the opposite of reality that uh, 26 out of the last 27 deadliest mass shooters were fatherless, as was Cruz. That's why boys who grew up in single-mother homes are twice as likely to commit crimes than those who grew up with a present dad. And that's why both sons and daughters are more likely to become depressed without a strong relationship with their fathers and why 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless and this article concludes if masculinity were truly toxic, then women, boys, and girls who grow up without dads be happier and healthier. Mm. And I want to emphasize this has nothing to do with race. Uh, Cruz wasn't black. I've made this observation in the past about uh, black families and the difficulties of uh, having uh, 
Uh, black children grow up without uh, fathers, and uh, this is uh, the same thing uh, with Cruz or anyone else. It's single mothers uh, can do the job and can raise uh, kids and can overcome these difficulties, but it's hard. And uh, I don't think uh, it's uh, just the statistical anomaly that uh, we have so much crime and uh, criminal behavior generally coming out of circumstances where there was no father present, as is the case with Nicholas Cruz. All right, we've got the uh, news coming up here in about 40 seconds. Mark, if you want to call me back, feel free to do that. I'd hate to leave you hanging through the news. If you want to call us right back after the top of the hour, we'll get you on. Uh, We have a couple of more texts for the judge. One has to do with jury nullification. The other has to do with the uh, Rosecrans and the uh, nursing home. So we'll get to those as well. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 3515357, or you can email us, talk at wdws.com. The news is coming up next here at the top of the hour at uh, 10 o'clock from CBS News. They'll be covering a lot of the national stories. Of course, the uh, walkouts across the schools uh, across the country, including here locally, I'm sure will be one of the headlines. And we'll come back with more with Justice Robert Steigman, hour number two next. WDWS Champagne Urban. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Welcome back. Hour number two, Penny for your thoughts on this Wednesday here in the middle of March, headed for a high of 46. We've got a ways to go. We're at 28 right now in downtown Champaign. We're with Justice Robert Steigman. We have a caller who waded through the news. And, Mark, you're very courageous. Go ahead, Mark. (laughs) Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, good morning. I know you guys have had some calls about uh, what happened in one of the local schools. But I wanted to get the judge's opinion on this. Uh, Illinois passed a law a few years ago that the schools are required to hold active shooter drills. Not only has our school not done that, they have been falsifying the, the paperwork for years and turned it into the state. The school board will do nothing about it. The state's attorney told us they can't prosecute official misconduct because there was no financial gain by the superintendent. Um, can you shed any light on that of why they would pass a law and there's no consequences, not only for not doing the drills that they're required to do, but for falsifying all the documentation that the drills were done when they weren't? Well, the the short answer is uh, the state's attorney has um, total discretion on whether to file charges and whether uh, he or she thinks there's a basis to do it, but even if technically some law were violated, uh, the state's attorney has the discretion to choose not to file charges. Uh, we had a situation uh, not long ago here in Champaign where a professor was uh, charged with filming a guy at the uh, in the restroom at the State Farm Center. And uh, I don't know whether or not there was enough evidence to file charges, but the local state's attorney chose not to in any event. And uh, uh, viewing it apparently, I think the explanation was as some sort of political issue that she didn't want to get involved in. Uh, So 
and, and by the way, uh, this is a better system than the feds, for instance, who uh, the local prosecutors have some discretion, but ultimately they are accountable only to the Department of Justice in Washington. Uh, here, the local state's attorneys are accountable to the people every four years. So if you think the local state's attorney in the county where you're from who chose not to pursue this uh, is using bad judgment, do you have the chance in a couple of years to vote him or her out? Well, just one thing. We were told... They wanted to prosecute it, but they couldn't because there was no financial gain. Well, I, I, I don't have the statute in front of me, and I don't know that it would okay. be appropriate for me to be second-guessing okay. that uh, determination. I, uh, all I can say is what, whatever the motivation for the prosecutor's decision not to file charges, there really is no appeal from it. All right, Mark. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, text for the judge from Matt. He says, how do you feel about jury nullification? Suppose somebody's FOID elapsed, but they're an otherwise good citizen and they're arrested and charged for illegal possession of a firearm. Well, it's it's a um, an interesting and difficult question. Uh, jury nullification means that the jury can always find the defendant not guilty, even if the evidence uh, supports uh, a guilty verdict because the jury doesn't think the charge should have been brought, thinks the prosecutor... Uh, abused his or her discretion by charging in the first place. Uh, so that's, and, and by the way, there's no appeal from it. Uh, if a jury finds a defendant not guilty, and, and I've heard stories in Chicago where uh, black jurors uh, think that the uh, state's attorney is uh, <coughs> prosecuting uh, black defendants for drug offenses uh, disproportionately to uh, uh, their numbers and as being more harsh than white defendants and refused to convict on juries. Now, then it would be a hung jury if the others didn't agree. But the point is, um, juries uh, have that right. Now, when I say it's a problem, uh, we, I was a judge for 12 and a half years instructing juries. We, we hope and expect the jury to comply with the instructions. We have a lot of people who are defense attorneys or defense-oriented who say, well, jury nullification is important, meaning that in this instance it's okay to disregard the court's instructions, which tell the jury, if you find that the defendant did X, then you should find them guilty. <clears throat> and they say, well, you don't want to. But here's the problem, Brian. Uh, there are other instructions they give to the jury, such as the defendant is presumed to be innocent of the charge against them, and you can't convict them unless you first conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that the state has proved that charge. Now, I've encountered jurors who said, well, that's a bunch of lawyer mumbo-jumbo. We know what's really going on here. Come on. You know, well, hey, this guy wouldn't have been arrested if he didn't do it guilty. It's the basis of the legal system, yeah, though, right? Yeah, well, that's true, but that's also a form of jury nullification. Mm. So I tell the defense attorneys and defense-oriented folks, you, you, would you be happy with the jury disregarding my uh, explaining to them the state's burden of proof and deciding that a lesser burden of proof would be okay. And, of course, they're not happy with that. Mm -hmm. So the point I'm making is our system is far from perfect. We have serious flaws, but it's the best system I'm aware of literally in the world. It reminds me of Winston Churchill's great line about how 
awful democracy is except compared to everything else. <laughs> that's right. So, so that's really the answer right. about jury nullification. I don't like it because mm-hmm. I think uh, there are problems that are associated with it if uh, jurors don't follow instructions. All right, a couple of texts regarding schools and uh, shooting. Is, uh, we got a text here from Lynn. And she's, uh, along with the judge on this, thinking that making schools a gun-free zone will keep guns away from schools is like saying bullying will not be allowed in schools because that bullying doesn't happen in schools. She uh, says, yeah, right. And then email in from Pat says, I'm very much against the children walking out of school. By the way, if they went at 10, they'd be done now. How many children will be killed or injured today? They're sitting ducks for all the unbalanced people who are killing people. Whose hands will their blood be on? Don't you think there's a lot of copycats watching and listening to the news or they may be informing others of their chance to do the killing of our young future adults? So that is uh, from Pat. We'll take a quick break. The judge has another take on uh, Cruz. We'll do all that and take your phone calls and emails after this. Any for your thoughts continues here. Justice Robert Steigman with us. We'll have an open line tomorrow on a Thursday as well and i think we have a busey money talk in the ten thirty hour tomorrow that would be on thursday open line on friday as we head into the weekend and i'll be off early next week scott Bates, first three days of next week down to tuscola here and then the judge has another take on the cruise uh, individual let's go to uh, richard hi richard good morning brian and good morning your honor good morning well, you, you've uh, touched on a number of topics, topics that I'd like to comment on, but uh, I want to, and I do want to compliment you on your stand uh, on pro-life. I, I like your boldness and uh, your your intellect in that regard. Um, I'm curious about your stand on the death penalty, and I, I want to uh, couch that with uh, something that I have thought was uh, very interesting, and I'm curious the first part of my question is how much in your uh, studies uh, becoming an attorney did you study old uh, system laws, French Roman law, uh, the law in Israel? Not much. Did you, not much? No, that was more of a history matter uh, as an undergrad or uh, just generally reading about stuff. But uh, now that's your point is a good one. Maybe it would be important to have it as part of uh, a law school education, but it is not. Well, um, I, I principally wanted to address the uh, the matter of uh, capital uh, punishment. I know that our Constitution uh, doesn't forbid it strictly, but it, it doesn't happen very often. And there were there were two men who were crucified uh, next to Jesus who were thieves. And in Israel, you could not be put to death for thievery. Uh, if you were caught stealing, you had to return three times what you stole. But uh, these two guys were being put to death. And, of course, Roman law superseded uh, the law of Israel, the law of Moses. Uh, these men were apparently hardened, uh, lifelong criminals. And um, I've heard more than once that, uh, well, uh, death penalty doesn't have an impact on uh, crime. Uh, I, I beg to differ. I believe it does because one of our problems is recidivism with uh, people who are in the criminal justice system and they don't, you know, get enough punishment to turn their their uh, life around and they become hardened, lifelong criminals. Mm-hmm. And okay. at least if you, uh, you know, remember some years ago, many years ago, there was a three strike rule that was gaining. In fact, I think it was uh, in California. Uh, maybe I better let you jump in and make yeah, some comments. Yeah, go ahead. Let, let him. Uh... I, I, I think 
I think if you started taking the lives of people who were found guilty of, uh, you know, grand theft or, you know, some other kind of uh, abuse, that you would remove them from the population and therefore uh, lower some of our crime rate. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, we'll let, let him answer that. Okay, Richard, thanks for the call. Yeah, a c- yeah. couple of thoughts. I, when I mentioned about uh, the pro-life views, I was speaking not necessarily for myself, but with, with regard to students. I'm, uh, like a lot of people, conflicted on that whole subject, and uh, I, d- I don't want to be uh, misleading people on it. With regard to the death penalty, uh, the uh, Supreme Court of the United States has made it clear that uh, that can only be imposed for uh convictions of murder and in fact uh, I think uh, it's uh, appropriate uh, in some instances and as a trial judge I imposed it twice uh, on people and the second time uh, the first time it was uh, set aside because of a uh, error by the defense counsel in representing the defendant's prior record to the jury uh, and ultimately he was uh, convicted again or sentenced again and got life in prison. The second time, uh, it was a terrible case out here in Champaign County. Uh, he deserved the death penalty. I imposed it. And uh, Governor Ryan, uh, our ex-Governor Felon, uh, commuted the death penalty that was uh, given to Harry Gozier after 12 years of being on death row. Uh, so, you know, your point is a good one. Uh, you also, but but I don't think the death penalty is necessary for the point you make uh, about removing criminals from society. Uh, it's it's a line I've used often with regard to prisons. I've talked to people and they say, well, prisons aren't effective. And I say, no, that's not true. I think they're 100% effective. It all depends on what one's expectations are. As a guy who sent hundreds of people to prison, my expectations didn't, I was hoping for better things, but my expectations primarily were this. While he's in prison, while he's there, he's not here committing further crimes. So uh, uh, mm-hmm. we are uh, safe from people committing crimes in our community when they're off in prison. And uh, people say, well, it's not good enough because he's going to get out. Well, then one of the answers is make it a longer sentence. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't well received always. So the the point is your concerns about... Uh, a crime are well taken, and uh, but I don't think the death penalty is necessary and uh, in all instances. But I think it's appropriate in some, and uh, I think it was a mistake in Illinois to eliminate the death penalty. I notice in Cruz, for instance, the I think he's now 19 years old. Uh, the state of Florida will be seeking the death penalty for him, and if we still had the death penalty in Illinois, the multi-time convicted felon who spent time in prison several times who killed the champagne or the Chicago police commander uh, in broad daylight in in front of the Thompson Center in downtown Chicago would be facing the death penalty. But because uh, we abolished it, he will not. All right. uh, You've got a take on Cruz. You want to do right after the news? Yeah. Let let me just preview it in 30 seconds. Say, uh, go back to what I mentioned about this, uh, Sheriff, it was the Butler County, Ohio sheriff who offered free gun training to a handful of teachers, and he had 300 show up within 24 hours. And uh, I think this is an important point to make with regard to people say, oh, training teachers, they won't like it, they won't do it. These are people who voluntarily showed up uh, to do this, and I think it's a reflection that uh, they're 
is an indication there are people out there who are ready and willing to get undergo this training. All right, so we'll talk more about that. If you have some more questions, we have another text in from Gary. We'll get to that right out of the news uh, as well as uh, anything else the judge would like to offer up. We certainly can do that. What's the best savings choice, the 401K or individual retirement account? Well, a 401K is an employer-sponsored retirement savings plan. You contribute to the plan via your payroll deduction, which makes it uh, easy to um, accumulate the savings you need. It's a great start anyway. Also, two types of IRAs. You may know this, traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. Traditional, allow your investment earnings to grow. Tax deferred until withdrawn. Roths are taxed at the time of contribution, but earnings can be withdrawn tax-free. With both traditional and Roth IRAs, you can open an account anytime and make annual contributions. If you're trying to decide what to do, traditional, Roth, uh, use the financial calculator in the Resource Center, Busey.com. Call 1-800-67-BUSEY or visit any Busey location today, Busey.com. The news is next, 1031 Michael Kaiser News Headlines. The judge and I return with more Penny for Your Thoughts up next. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400. WDWS. Back on Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 WDWS. We're here with Justice Robert Steigman. Always goes very, very fast uh, when he is in here. We, we need about five hours, I think, to cover everything that uh, we'd like to cover. Uh, real quick, there was a story about the Champaign County Board, whether to allow Rosecrans to provide treatment at the county nursing home has been delayed until officials can iron out approval from the state all in all through this it says the county could get around seventeen thousand dollars per month they'd offer a vacant wing of the home give in addiction treatment to around two dozen people who opt in for 45 days sarah emailed said is it a good idea to add that and you're kind of just learning about that right I'm, now, so. I'm i'm when it comes to the nursing home i'm just like another citizen in the community i'm interested in watching it and i have no uh, informed judgment at all all right, and a text from Gary, you don't have to comment, uh, but it just says, Judge Steigman, I get the impression from your discussion regarding carrying weapons that you may believe that I have a responsibility if I'm licensed to carry a concealed weapon to be a protector of others. I believe that is for my self-defense as I am not a law enforcement officer. Thank you for your time. So. No, I don't think you have a responsibility. Uh, I think, however, <clears throat> as happened in some other instances, I think there was a shooting at the church or school in Texas some guy who had a concealed carry saw what was going on and went in to address it. They, he wasn't required. He had no responsibility to do it, but he was a good citizen, and he stopped mm -hmm. it. All right, and you had another uh, view yes. on the uh, cru <clears throat> crews and crime in general, I guess. Yeah, right? I think it's important to point out, uh, I mentioned earlier that <clears throat> one of the difficulties was why wasn't there a criminal record for crews? This was not uh, inadvertent. Uh, in an effort to combat the school-to-prison pipeline, schools across the country have come under pressure from the federal government uh, and civil rights activists to reduce suspensions, expulsions, and in-school arrests. And the unintended consequences, I think, deserve much more examination. Uh, <clears throat> Broward County adopted a lenient disciplinary policy, similar to those adopted by many other school districts uh, from the Obama administration to reduce Racial disparities in suspensions and expulsions. We're having the same thing right in this community, as you may know. In many of these districts, the drive to get our numbers right has produced disastrous results with startling increases in both the number and severity of disciplinary offenses, including assaults and beatings of teachers and students. There's a retired cop, by the way, uh, from Broward County, who said we are the laughingstock of the world right now. 
this recently retired uh, deputy who was at that school speaks out because he says current officers are afraid to. He says there's a sh- there is pressure not to arrest troubled students like Nicholas Cruz. Uh, to give you an example of what we're talking about, <coughs> Broward County once recorded more in-school arrests than any other Florida school district. Uh, but in uh, 2013, the school board and the sheriff's office agreed a new policy to discontinue police referrals for dozens of infractions ranging from drug assault or drug use to assault. And the number of school arrests plummeted by 63 percent from 2012 to 2016. And uh, confessed killer Nicholas Cruz, who is a notorious and emotionally disturbed student, was suspended from the high school. He was even expelled for bringing weapons to school, yet he was never arrested before the shooting. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> the Broward County, <clears throat> excuse me, Broward County was under pressure to reduce the statistical disparity between black and Hispanic student arrests on one hand and white and Asian student arrests on the other. And as this article pointed out, I'm reading, by virtue of his name alone, Nicholas de Jesus Cruz was adopted son of Lyndon Roger Cruz, he became a statistical Hispanic, and authorities at the Parkland High School had every reason not to report his troubling and likely criminal behavior to the police. So if it's not reported to the police, he's not arrested, there's nothing in the files that says you can't get a gun. And this is one of the unintended consequences, and it goes back to something I discussed before. This disparate impact stuff that I object to. I've been dealing with it for almost 50 years, Brian. And it essentially is based on the notion, which I think is fundamentally flawed. That is, do women and men commit crimes in the same percentage, same numbers? I don't think so. Do Asian Americans commit crime, as much crime as white Americans? No. Do uh, whites commit as much crime as Latinos? No. Do Latinos commit as much crime as blacks? No. Uh, This isn't a matter of a numbers game. And when I hear about disparate impacts, uh, gee, uh, we're picking on blacks, and it's unfair because look at the Champaign County Jail. 60% of them are black, and our population is only 12%. Therefore, I mean, that's the extent of the analysis. Therefore, the system is is racist. And I say, how, how about the fact that maybe they're committing more crimes disproportionately to the representation. And the point I, I made the last time I was here, I'll continue to make, is this. <clears throat> when people in the Racial Justice Study Commission locally talk about we have to address this disparity, what I want to know is where is the disparity in the study on why is it that women who constitute 51% of this county uh, comprise, I think it is 8% of the Champaign County Inmates. It must be, Brian, following the same logic, that the criminal justice system is letting women criminals go. They're not holding them accountable because surely women are, by percentage, should account for 51% of crimes being committed in Champaign County. Well, maybe that's not the case. Uh, but if you talk about disparate impact, that's the beginning and extent of their analysis. I've been dealing this for 50 years. I've been hearing about it since I first became a prosecutor in 1969, that the system is biased because look at all the blacks who are in the system. And I've said for 50 years, bunk. I reject it. And this 
claim that the system is racist or I'm a racist because I reject it. I say, bunk. We have to start addressing this under the facts of the case. And if you want to talk about being racist, give me specific examples. Don't give me disparate impacts in saying that that proves anything. All right. Well, you've heard of Bunko Night. This is Bunk. <clears throat> bunk. Bunk, right, is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back with more. We've got uh, Lawrence and John ready to go. We'll tee you guys up next after this. All right. We're loaded up on the calls. Let's go to the phones. Lawrence is up first. Hey, Lawrence, how are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Oh, that was a long run of commercials. Uh, I need to ask a couple tiny orienting questions before I can ask my big question. Sure. Uh, judge Steigman, are you still uh, what's called a sitting judge, or are you retired now? No, I'm. this is my uh, 41st year as a judge. I'm still doing it. Okay. So I, my next question is, uh, are you allowed to exercise your citizenship rights, or is it just generally... Uh, thought that it's unseemly and you're not supposed to do this and by doing this I mean are you able to call or send letters to legislatures and and give them your advice and et cetera et cetera or are you supposed to not do that I have in the past in the in the 1980s I wrote lots of legislation much of which got enacted but uh <clears throat> I haven't done much since and uh I know some legislators, and if I have some concerns or thoughts, I can talk to them on a one-to-one basis. But uh, okay, so I have. All right, now so that enables my uh, main question. Now, <clears throat> now I'm not someone who is a hundred percent against marijuana used within the treatment confines. As a matter of fact, uh, I was the first person to lead a, a team of people to present a positive information about what eventually became called medical cannabis. The plant has a lot of different compounds in it, and some of them are uh, uh, helpful and some are not. And NIDA has not done anything to clear up which are which in, in the last 25, 30 years. Uh, now, I'm hoping that you have some contacts and you can contact and talk, etc. I really want to try to encourage people to stop any effort to fully legalize recreational marijuana now because that will just mess up the statistics. And what we really need after this long effort, which I thought was very thoughtfully done over the many months, to put in a medicinal cannabis program, I think that should be allowed to run for two or three years so you collect data from that and it doesn't get messed up by a groundswell of public ad-lib <clears throat> recreational marijuana. And Can you do anything to help that idea? Well, I, I have no expertise in this. I will tell you that I think the medical marijuana is a wonderful advancement for people who uh, have medical conditions that need it, and uh, it looks to me like there is a cultural trend going towards uh, uh, permitting more and more marijuana use. I'm just another guy. It's it's like the nursing home question. I'm just an interested citizen watching all of this, and uh, you sound like a very uh, intelligent guy who's given this a lot of thought. My suggestion would be you should write to legislators and explain what you just have said, and you might have some influence. Let me just add in that point, 
My first job out of law school was working for the uh, legislature, and I saw firsthand how letters from interested constituents, which were their own letters, not uh, cookie-cutter copy, uh, cookie copies uh, provided by someone else, these have real serious influence, and I think it's a good sign about our democratic system. So I'd urge you, if you have some thoughts about this, you should write to the legislators. All right. Hey, Lawrence, thank you. Okay. Good to hear from you. Let's go to John up next. Hi, John. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, Judge, I uh, was had a list of items that I was going to mention on the uh, school shootings, but you covered that and very well, and I enjoyed it. I Thank you. Subscribe to it. Uh, but I wanted to point out that uh, in the fall of 2016, in the uh, debates, uh, it was mentioned by Ted Cruz that he had led an attempt to defeat a law that was trying to uh, pass uh, giving guns to the U.N., giving all of our guns to the U.N., <laughs> and he defeated that on a very close vote. So I think it's important that we keep that in mind when we're talking about the school shootings. Well, it's, it gives me a chance to say once again how our Constitution is such a wonderful uh, instrument uh, because uh, <clears throat> the U.N. doesn't like our guns, but we have the Second Amendment, which gives us the right to keep and bear arms, and the U.N. like our freedom of speech either. Uh, which uh, gives us the right to what we wish, and uh, we have uh, the most freedom of speech by far of any nation in the world, including our European allies who have all kinds of speech restrictions that would be outrageous if they were tried to be used here. Uh, the point being, of course, that the U.N. Uh, is hardly somehow the international arbiter of good thinking and righteousness. In fact, I think it's a pretty awful organization as a checkered past at best. And I'm all for moving it uh, from uh, uh, New York to Nairobi or someplace. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. maybe we should continue to be there, but we shouldn't uh, any longer tolerate these folks yeah. at the, in New, New York City. Hey, John, I have to move. Thank you. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Appreciate it. And we're back with more after this. About a minute left. So, Dave, if you can be real quick, we'll get a quick question and a quick answer. How about that? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll try. And it's more comment. Uh, Judge, you, you, you hit the nail on the head as far as the percentages of the, the folks in the jails. And, you know, when it comes to the Racial Justice Task Force, I feel like the even the name of their group implies that there's an injustice based on race, which totally um, – defeats any sort of open discussion about it because it's just an implication that there's a lot of racist people from essentially the police officers all the way up to the judges um, that are putting uh, black folks in jail more more than white folks and I just it's a it's a serious discussion that's going to be coming up at the county board talking about how we mm-hmm. you know move the county jail system consolidate it and there's a big fight obviously against it saying that we shouldn't have mm-hmm. more jail cells all of this stuff yeah. and it just it's strange to me in a, in a more violent society yeah. that we seem to be having here in town. All right. Um, hey, hey, Dave, i got to run, okay? Th- thank you. Good points. We can talk about it later next time I'm on. All right. Thank you, Judge. Appreciate thank it. You. News is next at 11.